up, fam? Hey, good to see awesome. You. Awesome. All right. Uh, so wait, Stephanie says. Yeah, I couldn't see you or hear you the whole time. What? Yeah. No wonder you had such a pensive look on your face. I, I'm not used to this, this Hector. I, I'm 100% serious now. It's my thing. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> With your Yoda best cup? <laughs> yeah. It's one of my corny Father's Day gifts. You know, so. Love it. Which child? Yeah, that's probably the corny ones. Yeah, uh, Carmen. Good girl. Carmen's the All only right. one that still thinks I'm cool. That's sad. All right, folks. So, as you can see, this is Hector Mirai. Yes, girl. Yes. Get it. <laughs> he taught me early on how to say his last name like his mama said um, he is probably the person who will marry me once I find a husband um, so that's how close I am to this esteemed reverend um, I could tell you guys about all the cons he's spoken on panels on including San Diego Comic Con and I could talk about the you know, worship he's led and books he's written. I think we're on book. Is nine coming out soon? A faith and fandom. Nine is not coming soon, but uh, there'll be one. There'll be like a, a daily devotional book before nine comes out. Okay. Well, listen, we're up to eight, and I, I didn't realize it was going to go that far. I, I don't think he did either. Um, <laughs> and it's awesome stuff. Listen, y'all. Hector is just amazing. He cuts his yard with the machete, and um, he's a girl dad, and y'all are going to love him. So I'm so, so excited that he's here. Give it up for Pastor Hector. Woo! Woo! All right. Hector, you got the floor, sir. All right, man. That's a, that's a good intro, and I'm not going to live up to any of that, so, but that's cool. That's cool. Um. So just uh, something that's been on my heart and just wanted to share with y'all and discuss with y'all. Just ask this question and feel free to answer. Feel free to just, you know, not answer whatever you want to do with it. But uh, what do you feel like you currently anchor your identity in? Like, uh, just for instance, like even when uh, Chris made a uh, post on Instagram about me coming on here tonight, you know, his thing was like, it's Hector from Faith and Fandom, or how Stephanie was identifying stuff like leading worship and writing books like stuff. Like, what's the stuff that you anchor your identity in? And you said you wanted us to like answer, or just sure, like... go for it. Go for it. So for me, I'll, I'll say family and faith, or faith and family. That's really good. Um. And also, guys, like, uh, feel free to like unmute yourself and like jump in if you want. If like, if, like, if it's okay with you, Hector, like, if like, whenever you're asking questions, that people unmute themselves and respond. Absolutely. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. For me, um, I'm gonna say being a nerd and caring for people. Those are two two things I definitely uh, anchor my myself in. Uh, for me, it's definitely. Um my photography and then my love for outdoor adventure sports and just being outside. I think for me, it's, it's probably also faith. It's also fandom and it's also my dog, <laughs> whether it was Luna before and now it's my puppy Bucky. So yeah. And just with one of the things that um, I've seen so often is that when it comes to like the stuff we identify ourselves with or we like cling our identity to, um, it's usually whatever kind of has like the most focus in our lives at a time or our current status or stuff like that. For me, um, you know, I've when I was a teenager, I was the theater kid. I was like the one kid in my high school that was all about, you know, musical theater and, you know, stupid costumes and dancing on stage and all that jazz. Like, it was to the point, I think maybe my junior or senior year, I got in this awkward production of The Emperor's New Clothes uh, that toured every school in my county. Um, like, everybody had to go watch this thing. And they put me in skin-tight, flesh-colored 
uh, long johns and like being in high school and I'm like, this is not how I want to be known. You know, it's like a kid that's like standing pseudo naked in front of like a high school and all these elementary schools and stuff. It was just this weird thing. But like, or there was a chunk of my life where I was just the theater kid. And then like right out of high school and college, um, I started working at a Bible camp and uh, I spent 10 years uh, serving in that ministry, like building a camp and doing stuff like that. And so there's a large portion of my life where people know me as the guy from camp. Um, and for that time, that was my whole identity. And my mind was like, this is my idea. Like when I started that ministry, I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Um, and then, you know, I shifted from there to working with college ministry and I spent 11 years working with college ministry and in the same token, like, okay, that's my life. That's what I'm going to be doing. And then I went to pastoral ministry and, uh, for the last 10 years, uh, one of the biggest things has been the faith and fandom thing. And, uh, kind of with that, uh, just kind of became a big chunk of my identity and depending on who you ask now, I'm a DJ, depending on who you ask now. I'm just Rosa's dad. Um, it just really depends because there's a lot of things in my life that I've been through that during that season, that's how I identified who I was. And I think that's something that's not necessarily unhealthy, but it can lend us to a place of if all we see ourselves as is who we currently are in terms of what we're doing. Um, we can end up with like the wrong perspective of who we are, and we can even end up with the wrong perspective of what we're worth and where we actually gain and lose validity. Because that's the thing that's really hard is like sometimes our life is just really super seasonal. Um, and you know that's a a verse out of a Ecclesiastes or the you know, the, the Beatles song or whatever that, um, was Ecclesiastes three verse one. And a lot of the verses that follow says to everything, there's a season time for purpose or time for every purpose under heaven. Um, it tells us like there is stuff in our lives that we're going to go through different seasons. And I think one of the things is that makes it so hard for us when we go through changes is because what we think is permanent is just a season. And uh, when we don't look at our lives as seasonal, we end up like mourning or finding it really hard to actually keep moving forward with wherever God's leading us and what God's doing in our lives. So like, just to ask you this, feel free to chime in, answer whatever. But if I ask you who Robert Downey Jr. is to you, what's your answer? I mean, I gotta say Iron Man, honestly. Juliet also says Iron Man. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh Iron Man. Yeah, that's the yeah. <laughs> that's what he is to me. Excellent actor, yeah. Um, so when you know, I'm forty one, so I'm old ish. Um but uh at the like when I was still in elementary school or before I was in preschool. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was considered the worst cast member of SNL ever. Like, and most of y'all are like, didn't realize, you know, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that Robert Downey Jr. was actually uh, an SNL cast member, not like just a, a host. He was like one of the main cast members in 1984 to 85, I believe. Um, he was only there one year. He was fired. And uh, even now in like our rankings, he's considered one of the worst SNL cast members of all time. And like, that's just a crazy thing to think that, you know, that was his life. But, you know, so he was an SNL cast member that was like completely dejected. Um, then like after like the that period in the 80s, he became um, like known for the Brat Pack and 80s movies and stuff like that, being the teenage heartthrob, um, being like, the first time I ever actually remember him as an actor was uh, Weird Science, which is one of the classic 80s Brat Pack movies. And he played the pretty boy 
a sexy kid who dumped slushies on people's heads in the mall and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, my kids today have, my kids have only known him as Iron Man. Um, and so to them, the idea of him being that is like so foreign. But, you know, there was a season where literally he was so bad at SNL, he got fired. And he was a season where he was the pretty boy actor. And then like following that, if you've known his history, he had a, a history of uh, drugs and criminal activity and, you know, criminal issues with that. And a lot of people considered that his career was over at that point. Um, but that was the season that he was in and those things. And that's the thing, like his life went through season after season after season and his identity didn't change, but how he saw himself changed and how people saw him changed, uh, dramatically as well. And after that, you know, uh, he got a lot of big acclaim for the movie Chaplin, um, which, you know, is a Charlie Chaplin biopic, which was up and for the longest time was the thing he got the most praise for. Um, but then, you know, then came 2008, then came, you know, Iron Man and, uh, which is really weird that he did Iron Man and Tropic Thunder in the same year. Cause I was just like, man, you were real close to messing everything up. Uh, but you know, Iron Man became his big comeback. Uh, and you know, we're all these years later and, you know, I still see people posting memes of like nothing in the world's been the same since Tony Stark died. And it's it's that situation that his life had such dramatic seasons. And, you know, even since then, you know, he's in that season now post Iron Man. He hasn't really had anything pop off since then either. Um, but if his identity is solely based on characters or what he's done, it's the same situation of things change and we go through seasons and it does. Sometimes those seasons are great. Sometimes they're they seem kind of mediocre. Sometimes they're overwhelming and underwhelming and um but you know not just like with my life or with robert downey jr's life one of the lives that really stood out to me as far as being extremely seasonal was the life of david um just like i'm gonna flip through some of the old testament with that but like so the first time we see david is in a over in samuel in i want to say second samuel do 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 flip over here Sorry from shaking my camera. Um, so in First Samuel, I lied. Second Samuel. Okay, so Second Samuel, uh, chapter sixteen, is we see this moment where at this point in David's life, David is just a shepherd. Um, he's one of Jesse's kids. He's just a shepherd, and if you were to look at his life at that point in time, you'd have no idea of who he was or who he was going to be in that capacity. Um, and yes. Oh, Tropic Thunder. But yeah, Tropic Thunder with a uh, current culture is a thing. Um, it's a, it's a weird take now, but you know, he got an Academy Award nomination for Tropic Thunder. So that's just like of all the things. Yeah. Of all the things he got an Academy Award nomination for Tropic Thunder. Um, and same second Samuel chapter 16, see this whole process of David, who at this point is the runt of the litter, he's the the bottom tier of his family, but God sees something in him that he thinks is worth anointing as a king. Um, and sometimes it really is if we're identifying, if we're anchoring our ident identity just in our current circumstances and how other people see us. Even listen, David wasn't surrounded by people that hated him. David was surrounded by family, but even by his family standards, he was the bottom tier. Like he was not the top pick for anything, and um, and so at, and this is Second Samuel, uh, verse ten. Second Samuel sixteen, verse ten. It says, "Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these." And verse eleven says, "And Samuel said to Jesse, Are there any? Are all the young men here? Young men here?" And he said, "There remains yet the youngest." And there he is keeping the sheep. So like, even when Saul showed up to, or not Saul, but when Samuel showed up to anoint future king of Israel, um, he, his own dad didn't think he was worth putting forward with that. 
his own dad left him out with that. And sometimes I think our identity can be anchored so heavily in what other people think of us that we may not consider our own worth or what God sees in us. Um, but uh, then it goes on, said, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he went and brought him and now he was ruddy and with bright eyes and good looking, which by the way, I always find it weird when um, scripture tells us somebody's good looking. It's like, there's not a lot of that. It's occasionally in there. Like scripture says, uh, Joseph was good looking. David was good looking. But then one of my favorite things is in Isaiah 53, it tells us Jesus was ugly. Um, like Isaiah 53 straight up says he had no beauty or attractiveness that we would be drawn to him. So like straight up, I always, one of the things I always picture um, is Jesus reading Isaiah in the temple as like a 12 year old and it's saying you ugly. Um, but uh, we're in this place. They did face shame Jesus. They said that you have no beauty, bro. Um, but the idea that David was completely ignored by his own family. Um, and with that, uh, verse 13, or actually, let's go to verse 12. It says, so he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. For this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Uh, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So all of a sudden, David's life completely changed. Um, David went from just being a shepherd that was, you know, put on the bottom point of his family's list. Now he's anointed king. Um, you know, and we, we know how that kind of goes following that scenario, following that situation. That David uh, goes from there to we see him fight Goliath. Um, over in Second Samuel chapter seventeen, that was kind of a big uh, step for him. Uh, second or Second Samuel seventeen. Um, let's see, jump into here with this. Uh, and so, uh, in Second Samuel uh, seventeen, verse forty-five, uh, it says, "Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts.'" God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from take your head from you. And I just love that he didn't just like I'm not just going to kill you; I'm going to decapitate you. In case you wanted to know, um, and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. So, like, just one of the things. Literally, we go from seeing this dude be just a little shepherd kid to someone that's going to walk up to the biggest warrior on the field, someone that scared every other warrior, and say, hey, I'm going to take your head off, and uh, I'm going to feed your friends to the birds. Gang, gang. And so he was in this place where... Um, your version stops at 29? For real? Um, yeah. Uh, but... It's in this place where it tells him, or we see this picture of David, that not only was he a shepherd, but now he's this warrior. Now he's this place where it's actually setting up for him to rise and take this rank of warrior to do that. Um, and after we see all this stuff, we know that he, you know, he wins this battle, and all this, he's a warrior that's renowned by everybody else. So his identity goes from shepherd to anointed king that still has no actual political leaning, no power, you know, because one of the things too is we're, we're looking at what we anchor our identity to. David was anointed king, but nothing happened in his life. Ever realize that or think about that? When David got anointed as king, nothing changed. He didn't go to the palace. He didn't start wearing cooler clothes. He's still living at home. He was still doing his thing. He was still taking care of the sheep and his brothers. God put an anointing on him. God said, I've changed your identity. But his outward circumstances didn't change. 
his circumstances didn't change until the fact that God put him in different places. And so sometimes if we're anchoring our identity solely on our circumstances and what other people view, we literally miss what God is saying we are. And so when David actually went to this place where he fought these battles, he defeated Goliath, you know, eventually to the point where he, you know, had a chance to fight Saul. He had a chance to kill Saul. He didn't do those things. And to the point where he ended up becoming king of Israel. We, you know how that story plays out, that he became king of Israel. And, you know, he was a mighty warrior. He could kill thousands of people. He, his, uh, literally people sang songs about him in the streets when they came back from the battle. There was one of the songs that made uh, Saul so angry was this, his, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David killed his tens of thousands. Like people straight up made musicals about the effectiveness of his battle. Um, but it it just kept gravitating where people had a perspective of who he was, and he bought into a lot of times his own perspective. And then so we see him as a shepherd, we see him as anointed, we see him as a warrior, we see him as a king. Um but then, like when we get to stuff like uh David and Bathsheba and Uriah in uh, 2 Samuel um, uh, 11. 2 Samuel 11, we see this place uh, where uh, David straight up has a dude murdered so that he can sleep with his wife. Um, David straight up has a man murdered so that he can sleep with his w- a dude's wife. And uh, it's this point... Uh, where verse 26, as can just jumping to the end of it, you know, David saw this woman bathing. He wanted to have Uriah murdered so that he could be with her without him finding out about the pregnancy and everything went with it. Verse 26 says, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Like, um, uh, as we see this, uh, David literally had this dude murdered, and then he gave this woman a grieving period, then he says, all right, you're mine now, come to the house. And it's this rough situation where we see, um, we see this place where just because God's put an anointing on him... Just because he's given a position doesn't mean that his character is always in the right place. And sometimes, listen, we can God can put us in the best circumstances. He, he can put us in the best places. But David, you know, for him to look at uh, Bathsheba and think, I have the right to do this. I have the right to take this woman. I have the right to kill this man. I have the right to interrupt their lives. Even though he was king, he had gotten to the place where he stopped being his best self. He stopped being the best version of himself. Um, this is a guy who wouldn't murder his enemy. Like when he had the chance to kill King Saul, uh, somebody who was his natural enemy at that point, he had the chance to kill King Saul and didn't. He's going to kill a stranger's husband so that he can have her. He wasn't his best self. And so something to think of is that, you know, especially with kind of, as we talked about Tropic Thunder and ca- cancel c- culture in there as well, sometimes uh, we'll cancel people because they hit their lowest point or they hit a point lower than we accept. And reality is, if David lived in modern culture, if David lived now, David wouldn't be allowed to serve on any ministry team. David wouldn't be allowed to be a pastor. David would be kicked out of the government. Somebody would have put photos of Bathsheba ups. The 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 hit from Uriah uh, would have ended up getting put on the news or tweeted about. Like something would have happened. David would have been canceled. David would have been absolutely ousted. But the, the, the crazy thing is that God didn't look at David and say that your identity is based in your foolish actions. 
I didn't look at Dave and say your identity is based on your worst moment because realistically speaking, uh, we're 2,000 plus years later reading about D David's dirt. And we still see that as part of his story. Um, but most of us have never had our biggest failures broadcast. Even in a time of the internet, even in a time of where everything's public and everybody knows everybody else's dirt, we're still in this place where, uh, you know, most of us, our lowest moments haven't been worldwide knowledge. And for David, we still can read his failures. We can still read his mistakes um, with this. And it's a hard thing for us to realize that, yes, uh, when God says this is who you are, that that doesn't change with our failures. When God looked at David, um, he you know put that label on him. We're going to talk about in a second the the man after God's own heart. Um, David failed in epic ways, but in the same time, we see that God didn't abandon him in that, and the idea of who he was before God didn't change either. And so one of the things that I want to tell you is that so often we organically will um, put our identity on whatever our biggest success is, we'll put our identity on our uh, most well-known thing. Um, so there's a there's a running joke with some of the people uh, I'm in nerd ministry with um, where they like to make a bigger deal than it was about the fact that I was on the Swamp Thing TV show. Um, like I was, I was a background actor in one episode of the Swamp Thing TV show that's on HBO Max and stuff. And uh, like literally, it's one of these things. This is my entire part in Swamp Thing. Ready? It's this. Like, I turn my head once and you see me on camera, and that's the whole thing. Like, you can see my hat in a crowd scene, but there's one point in Swamp Thing where you see my face turn because something crazy happens, and that's it. Like, I have, like, it's literally 0.3 seconds or something. Um, but my friends are fun, and um, so today they made announcements for all the new DC movies that are coming in the next 10 years. Um, and, uh, and they announced that there's a Swamp Thing movie coming. So they've already made like a, a Discord channel uh, saying that if Hector's not in Swamp Thing, the movie, we riot. Um, and, you know, they just they're just cracking fun and it's, it's cool and everything. Um, but that's still one of the things is like they identify that as like a defining moment for me. The fact I was on a, uh, you know, I got a paycheck from DC Comics. That was cool. But past that. Um, you want to join the protest? We'll make signs. Um, but the the reality is, like, we get defined by the weirdest things and the strangest things, but it doesn't change who we are in the slightest. There was only um, I had one Comic Con that booked me because of the Swamp Thing thing. It was the worst Comic Con I've ever attended, and so it's just like, um, if. You can't uh, simply let your identity be defined by what people know you for, by what you've achieved, by uh, by what your your no like your just general status. That can't be your identity because all of these things are seasonal and they will all change. Right now, uh, all of you are in different places in your lives. You're doing different stuff. Um, and, you know, stuff changes really quickly. Uh, relationships change. Ministries change. Uh, family changes. Like, right now, legitimately, I've got three daughters. Uh, um, two of them are teenagers. Uh, one of them is 10. And, like, last year was one of the hardest years for me as a parent because a switch flipped in my oldest daughter and I stopped being cool to her. And that was, like, heartbreaking. Because I was, you know, she was a daddy's girl. She loved me. She loved everything I did. She thought I was a rock star. And now I'm just not cool anymore. Um, and it was like, dang, this sucks. <laughs> and I really hated the fact that she didn't see me in that capacity. Um, but with that, my identity hasn't changed, even though her perspective of me has changed. Um, and I have to realize that. I have to kind of drive that home in my own self that... When other people see you differently, 
or sometimes even when you see yourself differently, your identity doesn't change. Because like, so we know about David as a shepherd. We know about as a king. We know about his big failure. Um, like sometimes we'll have, well, I will latch on to think that's who these people are. And can I tell you my favorite weird David story? It's like, and it might not be one you've ever heard before. So check this out. Um, first Kings chapter one, beginning in verse one. And, um, Basically, it goes through verse four. It's a real long, complicated story. But there was a point in David's life where he had a human Snuggie. Um, and it's the weirdest thing in the world. But David had a human Snuggie in his lifetime. So check this out. First uh, Kings chapter one, verse uh, one through four. Now, David was old. Now, King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought out for the Lord King, and let her stand before the king, and let her uh, care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our Lord King might be warm. So they sought out for a lovely young woman throughout the, all of the territory of Israel, and found Abishag of the Shumanite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Now, that's the weirdest thing that like, hey, y'all, the king's cold. Let's find a pretty young virgin and lay her on top of him. What in the world? Yeah, all the wives, all the other things. And they're like, let's get out David to have a human snuggie. And what even makes it worse is if you keep reading, uh, she was like one of his son's girlfriends. Like, it was like this weird... Uh, <laughs> family twisted of all the women you could pick you pick your you know somebody in your family um uh here's the here's the reality is like even that weird story which takes place after david's redemption as a king and everything else that's not what he's defined what he's known for because his circumstances are even though things change in his life even thing things got weird uh in his life that's not who he ended up being completely, and that's not uh, what his identity truly was. Um, this, here's one of the great things I like about uh, when we talk about uh, David being a man after God's own heart and everything. Uh, if you know off the top of your head, uh, in David's timeline, do you know when God called him a man after my, his own heart? God called David a man after his own heart or identified David as the man after his own heart. Um, uh, not, not after he was a king. Not after he killed Goliath. Not after he had a snuggy lady. None of those things. God said that he was a man after his own heart before we ever meet David in the scripture. We meet David in Scripture in First uh, Samuel or in Second Samuel sixteen, um, and we he, God says this about him. Or sorry, in in First Samuel sixteen, we meet David. Um, in First Samuel thirteen is where he's called a man after his own heart. So before we ever meet David in that capacity, before um, we ever get to the place where he's anointed, God already says that he's looking for him and calls him a man after his own heart. So verse thir or chapter 13, uh, he's talking to King Saul. In verse 14, he says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So, God tells Saul three chapters before we meet David, I've already know who I'm choosing, and it's somebody after my own heart. That means when David was still just a shepherd boy, before he accomplished anything, before he did anything to win people's praise, before he did anything to earn a title, God saw who he was, who he would be, and all that his identity would encapsulate said, this is the one I want. God knowing what his failures would be, God knowing what his 
faults would be, God knowing the weird stories that were going to happen in his life, God looked at him and said, I know who you are before you know who you are. And that's the problem that occurs when we only identify who we are solely based on our accomplishments, our achievements, and the status in our life. Because right now, like, there are people that know me as an author, but there are a lot of people who don't care that I'm an author. There are people that know me as a parent, but they don't care. There's a lot of people that don't care that I'm a parent. And nothing I do, personally, is going to change how God sees me. Nothing I do personally is going to change. Like, I'm not going to level up to the point where, like, God's like, oh, now you've got my attention. God called David a man after his own heart before he even did that. And, you know, the same uh, concept is reflected way over in Acts. In Acts uh, chapter 13, where we see um, that God also calls him a man after his own heart there. And let me see, let me find where this was. I put bookmarks, but didn't like underline things. Okay, it's uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And it says, And when he removed him, this is talking about Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he gave his testimony and says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Um, and y'all, the reality is when God looked at him, he saw who he was, who he was going to be beyond his circumstances. Because even in this passage, you know, which was written hundreds of years after David's life, um, it's marked down as the concept that he was going to do all that God wanted him to. Now, if you look at David's life, David's life is chock full of failures and stupidity, like, like just some bad life choices. God still, God looked at him before his life said, you're a man after my own heart. And it's recorded in his word after all his failures. He's a man after his own, after his own heart. The reality is God knows who you are. God knows who I am. And our identity is never truly found in our circumstances or our achievements. And as long as we're actually trying to find our identity in that, we're going to be uh, disappointed and we're going to feel rejected and we're going to feel left out because we're trying to create so often we're trying to create an identity that people will accept so we can find value in ourselves. And if we're trying to create an identity that people accept, there's always going to be someone that rejects it. And the reality is we need to be able to say that just like David was identified by God before and after we need to know who does God say I am and that that be enough of where we claim our identity to. Because when we can cling to our identity solely on the fact of who God, is, God says we are versus what our achievements say we are, then our failures don't take away our identity. Our failures don't do that. Um, because when we cling to our identity based on our successes, every time David would had a loss, that chipped away at who he was. When David had a failure morally, ethically, and biblically, that took away from who he was based on those achievements, but it didn't change who God saw him as. Um, if, like, the church I pastor, like, goes under and we shut the doors, that doesn't change my identity and who God says I am. If I never sell another book or, uh, you know, do anything of noteworthiness that doesn't change my identity and i think we come to the best healthy place as people and the best healthy place biblically when we can truly understand that our identity has nothing to do with our accomplishments or in our failures but our identity especially you know as believers our identity is found is found firmly in who god says we are and um after David's failure with Bathsheba, after um, his uh, issues with all that he went through, we see this thing uh, in Scripture where uh, David prayed this really heartfelt prayer. And at the end of Psalm 139, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
trying or saw this is Psalm 139 or 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David prayed this prayer. He sang this as a song, prayed this prayer. He's like, God, I need you to know my heart so that I can know my heart. Because when we know that, <laughs> get out of your devotions. Um, when we know that God knows who we are, we can lean into him to see who we are in ourselves. We give God that invitation. God, show me where I'm at. Show me where I'm weak. Show me my failures. Because God is the only one able to clear all the clutter away from our identity and show us who we truly are. Um, and I love that, you know, I know different translations say different things, but I love that fact that it says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my anxieties. Because how many of us are bound up in the anxiety of the image we project to the world? How many of us are bound up in the anxiety of what we accomplish, of what we are, de- you know, I've, I've got a friend who, uh, like cut me out of their life after like 20 years. And like, I spent like weeks depressed over that because I'm like, I, what's wrong with me? that I'm not that in that person's friend life anymore. And it like crushed me. And I'm like, and I had to come to us like, that doesn't change who I am. That doesn't change my identity. Um, I had, uh, so like with Comic-Cons and stuff, to go to shows, a lot of times it's a juried process where they have to look at my application and say yes or no to letting me be at a show. Even though I'm paying to be there, I have to get approval even to be able to pay to go. I've had more shows reject me this year than the previous nine years. And it's just like, what the actual crap is happening right now? <laughs> and it's just like, but listen, my my validity and my identity isn't bound up in that because I know that I can ask God, God, look at my heart and tell me who I truly am. God, look at my heart and tell me who I truly am. And I think when we can lean into God to tell us who we are, we can know full well that that doesn't change, that we are safely secure um, and that, and, and, and that's the, you know, what Sarah says, it's so hard to let your identity be found solely in him when you've based it on other people's responses. Um, I've like working even now I've, you know, I don't lead the youth ministry at my church, but I kind of mentor our youth pastor and I've watched like middle school girls weeping over their Instagram likes. Because that's how they see themselves. Um, And that's the thing. Anything we find our identity in, other than who God says we are, will always leave us disappointed. And will leave us hurting. And um, just one other verse to share with this. Um, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 3. This last verse I will share with you. It says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, the duplicity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Um, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the duplicity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And, you know, that's talking about integrity. But one of the things we struggle with is integrity doesn't hold to the false image we make of ourselves. Integrity only really functions in terms of who we truly are and who God says we are. So we can't function in real integrity if we don't know who we are. And, you know, that's why that verse, you know, I really think that verse really hits with, it says, but the duplicity of the unfaithful will destroy them. When we're divided in ourselves, when we don't really know who we are, then our false identities just set us up to be destroyed. They set us up to suffer and they set us up for damage. And so that's one of the reasons why I say so, heavily to realize, you know, like it said at the beginning with Ecclesiastes, everything in the outer portions of your life, everything regarding your your circumstances, your relationships, your family, all of this stuff um, that we are experience and every bit of status we achieve in this world, it's seasonal and it will change. 
when you know the true integrity of who God says you are, and it doesn't matter what season you're in, you know who you are. David was a man after God's own heart before he was ever called. And even after all of his failures, David was the man after God's own heart. And you personally have an identity that God says that you, where God looks at you and he says he knows who you are. And it w- he knew who you were in your true identity before you were taking breath, before you achieved or failed at anything. And whenever you are on the other side of every success, achievement, and failure and season in your life, your identity in him hasn't changed. So I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I would pray for you and hope for you that you would be able to look past what's seasonal and truly find your identity and who God says you are. Let's see, I'm done. <laughs> Naps, clap, I don't know, whatever, but that was, that was really awesome. That, that was definitely, definitely much needed. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of processing and stuff. This is but just, love it, love it. Yeah, I'm gonna say, does anybody have any like questions or comments and stuff that they want to say? Like, we really appreciate you. Really, appreciate I I really love like you know how you was really hitting on the points of you know what God says of you and who you are and what the world says because at the end of the day, like who's greater, right? You know, you know, yeah, little Susie in Iowa. You know, on social media, can call you this, this, and that. But what God and and what the book says is this. And so it's like, who who's greater? And so I really love how he sort of drew that comparison about the ideas that, like, yo, this is what God is saying about David. You know, versus like, you know, what we deal with today, what other people can say about us. Yeah, no, for real. Um, shoot, for me, the thing that stuck out to me heavily was that you can't function in real integrity if you don't know who you are. Like that is, I mean, I feel like a lot of us like definitely struggle with our identity and like move in a way that is just not true to ourselves, especially if like people of faith just, I mean, because you're trying to live one way and like you really, like it's just not matching up with who you are. It just, it, it's, it's simple, but it definitely hits hard. Like it is, it's a, it's like one of those like subtle kind of things that you miss if you don't really think about it. But yeah, that, thanks, Stephanie. You had something you were going to say? Absolutely. All right. So first thing, I finished my salad. Second thing, um, Jess, I love watching you mom over there. Like, it was some awesome stuff going on. And also, I need your daughter to send me that hoodie. I don't care that it's too small. I just need her to send it. All right. Um, Hector. I miss college nights. I do. Like, you just dropped some real stuff. And it was a combination of things that have been building up for weeks in my life. I don't know how you knew I was reading Psalm 139 for my devotional. I don't think we're friends on the Bible app. Um, I only use the Bible app for memes. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) That had to process. And now I'm laughing. But, dude. Um, just snaps, claps, all the things. Just, I was even talking to one of my youth who's just starting college and she's struggling with her identity now that she's quit basketball. And she's like, this is my whole life. I was supposed to be here on scholarship and now I don't want to do it. And I don't know what God really wants for me. I'm like, I got a whole notebook of direction to point you in because... My friend Hector is a boss, and he'd be in contact with the Lord, knowing exactly what I need to hear. So thank you for allowing me to pass that on. You know, for real, like it, I mean, even me, like I, the, the beginning of this year for me, I mean, you know, how, you know how you always start off the year with like, I want to do this, that, and the third, like, you know, like your vision boards and your plans and stuff. And like, I have been struggling like, because I just, um, I've been feeling really disconnected from myself lately. and. Like that that's one thing I like that's one thing I didn't realize is that like I don't know what I want to do or like what like what kind of way I want to live because I don't really know. Like I'm struggling to like discern like who I who I am. And like this, I mean, again, I, I keep going back to that identity thing, but like I I mean I I base myself in like so many different things, like how well I do at my job or like how I don't know, like how how often I talk to my friends or even sometimes likes on Twitter, like, I mean, or not Twitter or Facebook, like, you know, like how many laugh reacts I get on a Facebook post, like 
all those things I kind of stick like my personality in, but like that, like you said, it's like, it's not, it, there, there's more to us than just that. And like, I, I think that's something I really needed to hear. And yeah, I, I, I think uh, that just, it definitely hit me in a good place tonight. And Sarah also said, uh, Sarah said, God has a way of bringing us back to spaces and places where we once experienced him to get us in a position to receive even more of his word and the messages he's trying to get across to us. That's a bar. No, seriously. Um, but yeah, like I really appreciate you. Really appreciate you for coming in and talking to us tonight, Hector. Um, real quick, like, do you have like an insta? Like, I know you got Instagram. Like, do you have do you have any other things we can follow you on? Um, I know you said you had a podcast, right? Yeah. Um. So I'll say for all of the nerdy Jesus stuff. Um. If you uh, look at Faith and Fandom on Facebook or uh, faithandfandom.org. Um, that'll take you to where all the podcasts are and everything. And um, there are eight books in the Faith and Fandom series, and you can read every chapter for free on the website. Um, you can like click book eight and read all that stuff, or you can click Marvel. It'll put all the Marvel Bible studies in one place, all the Star Wars in one place, etc. Um, but past that, if you just put Faith and Fandom anywhere, you'll pull me up. Awesome. Awesome. I think I just, I just found that website and stuff. I posted it in the chat for anybody that wants it. Um, yeah, definitely awesome. Also, we, we definitely need to see that clip from, from Swamp Thing. Like I had been thinking about that ever since you said it. Like, I don't know if you have it. I can, I can drop but, a picture real quick. Hang on. Yes. That is, that is awesome. Um, yeah. But what, also real quick, what, what was the deal with that? Um, that, uh, that really awful like comic con you went to like what what makes a bad comic con because i've gone to a couple of cons myself like i actually just went to an anime con recently and like i mean it's kind of hard to imagine a bad con in general so a bad con uh would constitute um where uh poor advertising poor planning poor execution lying uh about what guests are coming there because um it's a standard practice with uh like some poor uh uh con runners where they'll advertise guests that aren't really coming and then cancel at the last minute. Oh wow. Um like and that con specifically that booked me for Swamp Thing had been advertising that Kevin Smith was going to be a guest and then uh canceled the day before. And Kevin Dang. Smith got, Kevin Smith got on there and said uh I was never coming there. This is a lie. <laughs> wow wow okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense so just a so, lot of bunch of look yeah so i posted a picture in the chat um there's it's a lady pointing a gun at another lady the lady that's got her hand out with the gun uh or not with the gun but the lady's got her hand out like trying to stop the gun or whatever i'm directly above that lady's forearm and you can see me with like a vest on or whatever and that's there's a close-up of my face on the show, but like that's the picture that I, you can see me clearly in from their website. That, that is so cool. We, we need, we need, we're going to need that autographed, and we're definitely rioting if you don't end up in the new, um, the new Swamp Thing for sure. Like we, we're definitely Bro, that, we're rioting. That, movie, that movie's probably going to be like when I'm 50, so who knows? Um, even then, even then, we got you. <laughs> yeah. No, but really, uh, we really appreciate you. Um, this has been this has been super awesome.